Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello there, friends, and welcome on into episode 45 of The Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be with you on today, Thursday, November 28th, 2019. It is Thanksgiving Day, and for those of you who are observing, who are honoring the holiday today, traveling with family, with friends, with getting together for a meal, whatever you're doing, I wish you a safe and happy Thanksgiving. For those of you who it's just another Thursday, I wish you a wonderful Thursday. Hope you're having a good one. Today's show, not the big show I was hoping for. Yeah, that is a great sales job for you. I know I had promised a deep dive into Houston's offense and defense. Well, your boys Wednesday get away from them a bit. Between the kids having a half day, between having to make two different kinds of stuff in, two other podcasts to do, two articles to write, I didn't get a chance to dive into their defense as much as I would feel comfortable then turning around and doing a show about. And so we're going to focus on their offense, talk about what they do well, talk about Deshaun Watson, where he struggles a bit. But before we do that, oh, and also we're going to talk some college games because most of you probably know I do Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind, which comes out on Saturday to recap the Saturday games and to look ahead to the Saturday games. You got your rake scale and stuff like that. We got Friday games to talk about, so we're going to talk about those here as well. Before we do any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders to follow along on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, SB Nation, three different sites, including Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit, and of course, ProFootballWeekly.com. So there you go. Lots of places to find your boy. Let's start with the Houston offense, and let's we're going to focus on the passing game, and we're going to start with some numbers. Because numbers are cool. Deshaun Watson, playing at a very high level. Adjusted net yards per attempt of 7.09, which is good for 10th in the league. His quarterback rating of 103.4 is good for 8th in the league. Another area where I think Watson sort of stands out, if you dive into more advanced passing data, his intended air yards per pass attempt... That is 9.1, which is sixth in the league behind Matthew Stafford, Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes. That's intended air yards per attempt. So that's pretty impressive. In terms of play types, Deshaun Watson is eighth in the league with 89 pass attempts off of play action. And he is third in the league in pass attempts on RPO designs. These numbers are from Pro Football Reference. Lamar Jackson, as you might expect, is first in the league, 55 pass attempts on RPO plays. Kyler Murray, again, second, 
with 53, and then Deshaun Watson. And Watson is actually second in the league in passing yards on pass attempts on RPO designs with 442, just two behind Lamar Jackson. And there are other numbers we can look at as well to get a sense of what Deshaun Watson is doing well. Now, I don't often cite to PFF numbers, or at least their grading, but if you do subscribe to their, you know, edge and elite platforms and you get access to their premium stats, you get some interest in chart and data. For example, their adjusted completion percentage, which accounts for factors that hurt the passer's completion percentage, but don't help show how accurate they are. It accounts for dropped passes, throwaways, spiked balls, batted passes, and passes where the quarterback was hit when they threw the ball. Basically, the formula is this. Completions plus drops divided by attempts minus throwaways, spikes, batted balls, hit his thrown, etc., etc., etc. Deshaun Watson's adjusted completion percentage of 77.7, that's good for fifth in the league behind Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Joe Flacco, believe it or not, because he's still a qualifier for this stat. They also, PFF, take their adjusted completion percentage and extrapolate it to just deep passing games, which tar- targets only, it includes passing attempts where the target is 20 yards or more downfield. Tops in the league with an adjusted completion percentage of 58.2 is Deshaun Watson. So he's throwing the deep ball well. Now where you start to see a bit of a drop-off is where we're going to sort of go next. It's when he's pressured. His adjusted completion percentage by PFF's charting, when pressured, is just 62.2, which is good for 17th in the league among qualified passers. Other quarterbacks in that area are Andy Dalton, Philip Rivers, Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Brissett, and believe it or not, Tom Brady checks in at 59.1 just ahead of Mitchell Trubisky. And that's sort of where I want to start because last year... Deshaun Watson was under duress all of the time. He was sacked a league high 62 times, spent much of his season under siege in the pocket. And offensive line then became a huge need for the Texans. They drafted Titus Howard in the first round, guard Mac Sharp in the second. They traded for Tunsil before the season began. But he's still been, been getting beaten up. In terms of sacks to date, 32. Which is a big number. I mean, he was sacked 62 times a season ago. That was over the entire season. Now through 11 games, 32. I mean, he's more than halfway there. And we'll get into how that impacts him in a second. But the Texans, in addition to just fixing their offensive line, they've done some things to try to get Watson some help. One of the things they do is they go empty. And in the piece over at Pat's pulpit, you will see multiple examples of them going empty, spreading out the defense, and giving Watson some quick reads, some quick throws, some defined routes to attack. And because when you go empty like this, you force the defense to sometimes commit and declare yourself what you're going to do. And one of the aspects of the Houston offense that I really like when they go empty is they still find ways to stretch you horizontally and vertically. One of the ways they do it, believe it or not, is with Haas Juke. Matter of fact, the first play that I cite in the article, it's an example of the Houston Texans running Haas Juke. 
And it goes for a touchdown against the Chargers. And these empty formations give Watson a good look at the defense. They allow him to find and exploit potential bubbles or cushions that he can identify pre-snap and get the ball out of his hands quickly. One example of this is a play against Atlanta where they put DeAndre Hopkins in a stack slot, which is another thing they love to do. Atlanta shows a cover four with a little bit of bubble, so you've got two receivers, one guy down and press, and the next defender is off, giving about eight yards of cushion. When when DeAndre Hopkins has that much cushion pre-snap, he's going to get the ball out of his hands. Watson is right to his favorite target. So that's one another thing that they love to do. Stack slots are a huge thing for them. If you watch their game against Kansas City down the stretch in so many fourth down or third and short situations, they went right to Fuller and Hopkins in a stack and just dared the Chiefs to cover it. And the Chiefs couldn't do it. And the other thing about when they go wide like this, when they spread you out like that, they will put Hopkins on the inside, sometimes as a two in the slot, sometimes as a three to trips. There was a play against Baltimore. Even though Houston got blown out, they got Hopkins matched up in zone coverage situations against Patrick Awanso, our linebacker. And if we talked about a couple weeks ago, Benjamin Watson sort of working against him in space and having success, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is going to do that. Another thing they do instead of spreading you out is getting condensed and heavy. Long time followers of the work, they know I like to talk about the Yankee concept. The Texans are a huge Yankee concept team that will dress it up with eye candy, with motion, with shifting, with all sorts of stuff. But they will run, play action, deep post route, crossing road underneath it, high low that safety in the middle of the field. They also have some variations that they run. One of which they ran against the Patriots in the first game of the season last year. You remember week one, that Stephon Gilmore interception where comes across the field to pick off a pass deep in the end zone. That was a variation of the Yankee concept, where instead of a deep post, that outside receiver shows a post and then breaks upfield, almost like a deep corner route. We'll come back to that design in a second. But that's another thing they would do. They would get heavy, condensed, 12 personnel, max protection, and try to deep shot downfield. And given Watson's intended air yards, they do this a lot. And so you put it together... These are a number of things that they do. They try to spread you out and give them some quick, easy throws, but then they would condense you, go max protection, and run Yankee or variations of Yankee. Because they will run variations of Yankee where, as a defense, you might try to do what New England did on that Gilmore interception where the safety in the middle of the field comes down. It's either a cut or a nail call. He covers the crosser and the cornerback, replaces him in the middle of the field to pick up that post. Well, Houston will do designs sort of like that one play where instead of a post, it's really a corner, and that's much tougher for the cornerback to chase that down across the field. Or they will do some things where they will show Yankee and then they run what are called blaze outs where they just run deep out patterns. They start to the middle of the field and they run these deep outs. You've got guys switching safeties and corners in the middle of the field. Guys are open. There's an example in that piece of them doing that against Atlanta. And so that's kind of where they want to be. They want to spread you out, some quick throws, some stack slot stuff to Fuller and Hopkins, give them some quick, easy throws, but then get you deep downfield with the Yankee concept and variations thereof. When we come back, 
some talk about Watson. We're going to return to the concept of exploiting the hesitation. That's next on episode 45, a Thanksgiving installment of The Sco Show. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now. Episode 45 of the Sco Show. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you who are listening to this on good old Turkey Day. And let's talk and return to the concept of exploiting the hesitation. Yes, I'm playing the hits. Yes, I'm, you know, running... In a rerun situation here. But when I sat down to study and chart that Baltimore-Houston game, I expected to come away thinking, oh, Baltimore did some creative stuff. They fooled them. They confused Watson. They really didn't. One of the biggest plays in that game, early in that game, on Houston's open possession, Watson gets sacked and fumbles. On that play, Bill O'Brien calls for a variation of the Yankee concept. Hopkins runs a crossing route from right to left, and Kenny Stills runs that sort of adjusted, not post, but almost a corner route like that week one play last year. And he's open. There's a big window to throw this corner route to Stills. But Watson hesitates. Then as the pocket collapses around him, he tries to make something happen, but he loses the football as he's eventually sacked. And so there was a chance to make a big play downfield in the passing game like the Texans do, and Watson didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Why? He hesitated. Oftentimes, his hesitation comes when he's trying to get the ball to Hopkins. On a sack, also in the first quarter of that game, the Texans run stick concept to the three-receiver side and slant flat on the backside. They go empty. Hopkins runs a weak side slant route from that two-receiver side on the left side of the formation. Watson takes the shotgun snap, keeps his eyes trained on his favorite target, and eventually gets sacked. He runs out of time. It's another missed opportunity. Why? Baltimore's just dropping into straight cover two. They're not doing anything unconventional or creative or exotic. They're spot dropping into cover two. And to the trips, that three-receiver side of the field on the right side, You've got that vertical route along the right sideline to attack the turkey hole. How appropriate. The turkey hole to cover two, deep along the sideline, behind the cornerback, and outside of the safety. That route is wide open for it could be a huge play. But Watson is staring down 
Hopkins. Then later in the game, on a curl route from Hopkins, stares it down again, doesn't pull the trigger. He gets pressured because the right tackle Titus Howard gets blown up. All he has to do is step up in the pocket like Tom Brady does so often, but he doesn't. He tries to create in the pocket and he gets sacked again. Now, Howard is an opportunity for the Patriots to exploit. I think they can attack him with pressure schemes. I'd like to see Collins and Van Noy over the right tackle get some pressure that way. But you got to take advantage of these moments when Hopkins holds the ball too long because a lot of these sacks are on him. And I know that sounds a little bit odd, but sacks are a quarterback stat in a sense. Ben Baldwin from the Athletic Seattle has, has been saying things like this, and I entirely agree with him on it. Sacks are a quarterback stat, at least in part. Because when you have an opportunity to throw the ball downfield and you don't take it and you end up getting sacked, that's on you. Another thing to mention, pressure schemes. You know the Patriots that love to bring the heat. They've been doing it this season. On a fourth and two play against Watson, the Ravens brought a cover zero blitz look that New England does all the time. The Texans can't block everybody. Watson's forced to hurry this throw. Hopkins is, has a step. He's open, but the pass is low, slightly off target due to the pressure and falls incomplete. I think they'll be able to force some mistakes from Watson, force some hesitation from Watson, and that might be the difference in this game. Now, what could also be the difference is the fact that the Patriots are sick, apparently. Something like eight guys missed practice on Wednesday. So we'll have to see just how healthy they are come Sunday night. Before we go, I did want to mention Friday's slate of games. It's rivalry week in the college game. We do have some Thursday games. Like I said, usually... On Pat's Pulpit, Radio Rewind, I give you the sort of the rake scale. Let's be honest, it's a holiday weekend. It's a one-rake day no matter what. You don't want to be spending your holiday weekend doing lawn work, although I will be because there are leaves everywhere in the backyard, friends. I'm just going to say that. i got to get a handle of that. But for most of you, it's a one-rake day. And you got some games on Friday that are going to be interesting. you got Virginia Tech, Virginia. Battle of the Commonwealth at noon on ABC. You got Texas Tech, Texas at noon on Fox. Then as you get into the 2.30 hour on the Big Ten Network, number 17, Iowa at Nebraska. Nebraska needs a win in that game to get bowl eligible. You get number 19, Cincinnati at number 18, Memphis. That's your national game at 3.30. As you get into the... I'm skipping a game for a second because I want to come back to it, but... As you get into the evening, you get App State Troy at 6 on ESPN+, Plus, and then South Florida UCF at 8 on ESPN. But for me, the big one is the Apple Cup. Neither team's ranked. Washington State at Washington. That's four on Fox. Jacob Easton versus Anthony Gordon. And I want to talk about Anthony Gordon for a minute. Because I have started to do my draft prep work more in-depth. Started to dive deeper into the quarterbacks. And I've been asked a lot by people on the Scotia Slack channel, by people on other podcasts, you know, who's your Brett Rippon of this year, right? Because Brett Rippon, guy I was banning the table for, guy I was clamoring for. 
doesn't even get drafted. And yeah, I probably missed on him. But he was the guy that I liked. He was my draft pinky. And I kept, wasn't really jazzed about other guys this year. It's a weird quarterback class. But then I started diving into some tape from Washington State and Anthony Gordon. And friends, I think I've got my draft pinky. And when I started watching him, I sent a message to Matt Waldman. And I was like, have you watched this kid yet? Because I've got a comp for you. And he's like, no, I have watched him. I'm very intrigued. I was just raving about him on one of my shows. Let's talk about him on the Quick Game Podcast. And I said, good, because I've got a bold comparison for you. And when I sat down with Matt on Wednesday and we recorded the show, I took a time out. For those of you that don't listen to the Quick Game, why? Can you help? You should, because what we do, we cover like somewhere from 18 to 25 topics. Matt and I, we time each other. We each get a minute to address the question. If we want to, we can take a timeout and expound on it with three minutes. And I took a timeout to talk about Anthony Gordon. And I teed it up this way, because I wrote a piece about Anthony Gordon from Matt's side, and I said, it brought to mind a moment in college where I was at a house party. I was dating a girl, friend of a fr- friend of hers, was approached by a guy at this house party and this guy used this pickup line, you're ugly, but you intrigue me. I never heard it before. I wouldn't recommend you do it. It worked that night, but Wesleyan's a different place, kids. And that moment in my life came to mind watching Anthony Gordon because the drops are sloppy and ugly and it doesn't look good. But yet, it works. It works well. He's making reads, progression reads, full field reads. He's got an incredible understanding of leverage, especially when he's working underneath. And then it really hit me the more I watched him. And it brought to mind a tweet from Justice Mosqueda, another smart football mind, talking about Mahomes last year. And he basically said something to the effect of, the guys that grew up idolizing Montana, like Brady and others, They're starting to weed themselves out of the league, retirement and such. The guys that are coming into the league, they grew up idolizing Brett Favre. And we're going to see different, more creative quarterbacks, more gutsy, gunslinger type quarterbacks, because that's what they wanted to be when they were growing up. That's who they emulated themselves after was Brett Favre, not Joe Montana. And the more I watched Anthony Gordon, the more it hit me. If I were a college kid right now, the quarterback I'd want to be is Patrick Mahomes. And so when I see Anthony Gordon take some audacious risks with the football, where he's like throwing behind defenders on purpose and attacking leverage and stuff, he's emulating his game after Mahomes. When I see him attempt some no-look throws and stick them, by the way, he's trying to be Mahomes. And so when I told Matt I had a bold comp for him, it was Mahomes. Not that he's as talented as Patrick Mahomes, not that he has the arm of Patrick Mahomes, not that he'll have the career of Patrick Mahomes or anything like that, although they're both coming from a West Coast, I mean, an air raid type system. He's trying to be Mahomes. And so I thought I was on a ledge all by myself, that it was going to be crazy, I was going to get laughed at. 
And when I got done giving my three-minute spiel, Matt was like, yeah, I saw the same thing. I saw it too. I thought it was Mahomes. So when you sit down on Friday afternoon and watch the Apple Cup, I'm telling you, watch Anthony Gordon. You'll probably see the same thing. A guy who has emulated himself after Patrick Mahomes. And he's not doing a bad job of it. So, folks, that will do it for today. Next time you hear from me is on Radio Rewind Saturday morning. We'll recap some of the college stuff. Maybe we'll have some Anthony Gordon talk. Get you ready. Hopefully, all the Patriots will be healthy by then. But until then, friends, I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. And please do keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.